0: Alrighty, Creedcast podcast. Uh, I'm back after a couple of weeks off. Um, as I mentioned on Twitter, so some people might have seen, but just a, a, a serious family issue, I guess, here in Los Angeles, um, which took a lot of time from the family. Um, still is, um, but you know, everyone's fine, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, it was quite um, a serious Serious event that happened and something that we had to uh, take to our family and just, um, you know, do all that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to get into it too much more than that um, for the sake of privacy and all that. But just, yeah, I um, appreciate those that reached out on Twitter and just checked in um, and Instagram and whatever else uh, that, you know, checked in. There was a few people that did and I, I appreciate you all and, and, and everyone else um, that is always supportive. So that's fantastic. But, um, yeah, getting back into the swing of things and, jeez, um, what a couple of weeks to try and <laughs> to be off. Offline for not offline. i mean keeping track of everything and watching the games and um, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, um, I recorded my last uh, my last podcast was the day before. Um, I recorded um, the day before everything that transpired here. So and that was the review of the Brisbane game and all things were um, rosy and uh, we were looking good and and you know there was a, there was um, some careful optimism and I guess I say careful optimism because as I've seen in the last couple of weeks and as the um, those that listen to that podcast will have heard me say, um, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember, remember my exact words, but um, my excitement and my optimism from that game was tempered by the fact I wanted to see what we did against Collingwood, um, first and foremost, because they, they were a benchmark at that point and still are, um, despite they lost last night, but um, they're a reasonable team. They've got a few things going on, both uh, injuries and um, the the classic Collingwood off-field issue that seems to hit them. Um, I'm not going to make any more comment on that. Um, But, um, yeah, and then obviously the showdown was um, just... uh, I can't even put into words the disappointment that goes with that. So, look, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to kind of just put my brief thoughts... You know, there's been a lot of dissection over the last last couple of games already. Um, I'm going to kind of review them, you know, briefly, um, my thoughts on how we're going in those couple of games... Um, and then I'll do a quick little look at the the game ahead this weekend, and um, and then I might, uh, and what I'm going to do, uh, the podcast that releases after this, will be more of a discussion on what's going on in the wake of the showdown, the, you know, Ray's podcast and Kosh's comments back, and then just last night, um, woke up here this morning in Los Angeles to... All this stuff on Twitter, like I stand with Warren Treadaway, and some people being like, "Oh, he's just getting his moment." I'm like, "What happened last night?" And apparently, I missed. uh, I've listened to it since. Um, uh, His bit on the Five Double A Sports Show, but um, yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a week. So I've been trying to repeat. I was actually going to record yesterday. I was trying to catch up on a few things, um, and and then I wake up this morning again, thinking, "Yeah, I'll record today." And then there's another whole whole. The whole thing that happens last night with uh, Treadray's responses to Kosh's responses to his comments on his podcast. So I've listened through, I've gone through it all again, listening to it, which... With all the stuff that's, you know, and all the, you know, radio interviews and stuff, there's about, there's an over an hour of content there between, you know, a couple of Treadray appearances then his podcast and Kosh's comments and all that stuff. So I've been trying to catch up and I've done that. So, um, yeah, this one, but this one here, um, this episode will be just... Round 2 and 3 kind of review, get back into it, just talk about it, and you know, it's not going to be X's and O's and all that kind of stuff, a little bit, um, as best as I can, I, but, and I will apologise as well, you're probably hearing my voice sounds a bit funky, um, seasonal change um, in Los Angeles, uh, we're getting into the warmer weather now after a month of um, deluge and Noah's Ark kind of weather, so, um, and I always, I always get like some weirdness, it's, it's half allergies, half a cold. Kind of thing whenever seasonal change happens, so that's why I'm going to sound a little bit, a little bit funky, um, a little bit congested on this, on these couple of episodes. So um, yeah, bear with me. Um, but I have got a bottle of water next to me and um, and some corn nuts, so I'm ready to go and 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 do my best here. So we'll get into it. Alrighty, so we'll just briefly talk about the Collingwood game first. Just overall impressions, I guess. I don't even know where to start with a game that was almost two weeks ago and. We've all. There's been a lot happened since then, but um, since I'm just getting back to it here, um, we started well enough. Um, we took our opportunities, you know. Getting the, you know, we got the first goal of the game, and then we kept on. You know, they they'd peg, peg us back. We'd get a goal, goal again. They get one back. We got a goal, and it was, you know, we were up by goal midway through. And um, there's a few questionable umpiring decisions there. Um, the umpiring in the first couple of weeks was certainly, um, I mean, the first three weeks really has been um, and it's gone for us as well in questionable times I'm not going to sit there and be the roast into glasses and, and say that it's all against Port and you know we're getting some good decisions for us that no, I was getting some decisions for us but um, there were some crucial times that I was just like just odd decisions um, but Collingwood were coming eventually anyway and and you can just see that we we were trying to stem the flow a little bit while taking our opportunities whereas Collingwood just backed themselves in and and in the very antithesis to kind of what they were at the end of the Bucs era, where it was really just slow it down and slog it in and um, and really, you know, that game in 2021, um, I'm trying to think, when we won by a point at the G, but it was just a real slog fest and really horrible footy, really. Um, what we see from Collingwood now is just an open, expressive form of football, um, you know, backing in the individual talents of players and letting them kind of... Um, kind of free form play like there's a, there's a structure there for sure there's a way they play um a brush way that they play um they take the game on and run it down the middle and and but the, the, there's in like you know situational footy in certain situations they just they they back in their own skills and uh and kind of take the game to us and we just and it's been something I think I've touched on in podcasts in previous years and people that listen for a long time may have heard me say this but it's always been one of my gripes with um, probably the last five years, because um, the early years of Port and Hinkley were, were kind of similar, and and we really played a played an expressive attacking brand of footy and and took the game on, and but it feels like the longer it's gone, the more control. You know, maybe one of the things that in those early years Ken thought was maybe I need more control, and he's tried to get more control, and in in, in doing that, we've lost a little bit of what made the early years fun, and and. And almost got a premiership out of it. Um, and that's kind of what I see, is you just see players are so reactionary um, to rather than proactive in, in how they play their footy. And I just look at just the um, the instant on this, you know, this the highlight that's been well played after that game of the... Uh, jo- uh, jo- sorry, Nick Dacos um, one two with Pendlebury on the sideline with the little no-look handballs and stuff, and Dacos strolling into 50 and scoring... Um, what was their ninth goal in a row i think at that point which is just um you know if you're ever getting nine goals in a row kicked against you you're you're definitely um not you're not top four material and you're possibly not top eight material so i'm like you just should never be getting nine goals kicked against you in a row um but uh you know you see that instance and but just before that the ball kind of bounces on the on the boundary and it doesn't go all the way over um it bounces on the line and comes back and I think it's Dan McStay that kind of grabs it and kind of he's half slows down, um, wondering if there's going to be a whistle. But then Ryan Burton's right there and like I've loved Ryan Burton's game over the last year and a half. Um, once he's since he's gotten fit, he's been just in, and he will be integral side, part of our side for a long time going forward. Um, but he kind of puts his arms out like looking for. The, I'm just like no play that just so reactionary. Play the play the whistle, you know. Um, and that was just kind of. A, the the moment there's just, when I was watching the replay back, I was just like, for "Fuck's sake!" Like we just we can't get anything right. There's just the fundamentals. Like you know, one of the fundamental parts of footy or any sport is play the whistle. You know, if you're not hearing a whistle, then just keep going. Like just even you know, it's kind of like in you know, in soccer now with the VAR checks and all that stuff. When you get caught offside, you'll always you know, or in NFL, you know, players will still run the ball into the end zone, or a player will sometimes put the ball in there, just in case, just in case. And that's the whistle's already gone. The whistle hadn't even gone there. Like, just wrap him up just in case, you know? And if the whistle goes, like, you, you can just get your arms around But No, he doesn't. He puts his arms out when he's standing, you know, three feet away. The whistle doesn't go, and McStay kind of recognises it quicker, and he just holds it up and then gets the ball going, and then there, there you go. You see one of the Collingwood highlights, probably their play of the day, really, um, is, is on that play. And it just seemed to sum up the entire day for us that we just, we're looking for we're looking for the excuses and we're looking for the out rather than taking the game on like Collingwood were. Um and you know, when you see the um one of the most horrifying stats, which I can't remember, I remember seeing um someone's I can't remember if the stat was like one of the most the biggest contestant I think it might have been the biggest discrepancy in contested possession since the stat was starting to started to get recorded in the early two thousands, which was we were minus fifty seven in contested possession against Collingwood, which is just Inexcusable, inexcusable footy, and it's just, um, and it's been something that's been a problem for us in our losses and even in our close wins over the past couple of years. Is that a contested ball is often we're struggling to get on the right side of that statistic. Um, so we're not our inside game just isn't isn't there. Um, even when we we're playing better into um twenty one, I think we were still sometimes struggling with the contested ball, and it definitely dropped off last year. Um. And so far this year, we see you know um, you know Brisbane aside, and even then we just kind of we just ran over the top of them, and Brisbane didn't play a great great game of footy that day either. But you know when you're coming into a game off the back of the Brisbane game and and haven't had a good performance, uh, that's kind of instilled some promise into the fan base and stuff like that. To come out against Collingwood um, and have you know minus fifty seven in contested possession, It's just uh, there's something fundamentally wrong with the game plan. Uh and it's and it, like I said it's been an issue for a little while now. Um so something fundamentally wrong with how we're playing our inside game and through the guts of the mid and all that stuff. which is not and I don't know where it, it's it's got I mean everything starts on the training track, everything starts it starts in preseason, everything starts in coaching and and pre- preparedness and all those things. And for that to be the stat at the end of the day against a team like Collingwood um you know, fair dues to Collingwood for the, just how electric they played that day. I couldn't help but just be like, I fucking wish my football team could play like this in a game that, of this magnitude. Because we haven't for a long time now. Um, just haven't turned up in a big game uh, for a while now. And, you know, you could say, oh, what about Brisbane at home? It's opening day. You know, we, we should be putting on a decent shift at home. And Brisbane, <laughs> you know... I, I look the more. I look at it now and see how Brisbane have been up and down a little bit. I think so they just weren't they weren't there at the races either that day. So we've got to, you know, you can only beat who's in front of you. So we've got to take the win against Brisbane. You know, beating them by nine goals was a good performance, but was it indicative of what we can do, or was it indicative of partly what we can do when the sides off the game? Whereas, um, you know we traded punches early with Collingwood and then Collingwood just ran over the top of us and overpowered us. It wasn't just like us against Brisbane was a little bit of, we took advantage of them just taking their foot off the gas a little bit and we ran with it. Um, whereas Collingwood just completely overpowered us. It was a domineering form of football, expressive, um, creative, and, and they took their chances and they were hungry for it. And that's the that's just the big difference for me with in that game was just the hunger that was there. Um it was just incredible. And you know, and like I said, it this is pattern stuff. This is, this is these are patterns that have been happening with Port Adelaide Footy for the last couple of years with the contested ball. Um, you know, when the game's gone against you we start chipping our we start trying to chip our way out and there's a few moments where, you know, Bergman's coming out of having just collected the ball, um, on the on the goal line and is trying to get out of defence and he just kick it straight to I think um I can't remember who it was, my checker, oh, who, who the, oh, I can't even fucking, I don't even fucking care, it was just some, someone in a, in a Collingwood jumper was, um, outside of 50, um, and he just, and it just wasn't even a, you know, it's just, there it wasn't anyone really in, in a port jumper really in the vicinity, and it's just, it, it's so, our, our ability to pick targets and, and make good decisions with the footy again, the last couple of years has been a pattern of, a pattern thing that we, we just don't do, uh, good decisions with the footy in, in the crucial moments, and we just... The occasion gets the better of us, and and time and time again, our just our brand of footy just doesn't stand up. in, in when we really get into the, into the gladiator pit, so to speak. So, yeah, the Collingwood game as a whole was just, um, just so disappointing. And to, and we got absolutely belted off the park. There's no way, to, no other way to say it. We just after that first ten minutes, we just weren't there. And we and like I said, that that contested that contested ball number is a. Uh, is one aspect of it, but the other one, there's a lot of stats, I'm not going to go through the stats, um, every single one, Because the other one, minus 57 uh, in contestable is one thing, minus 17 in tackles, now, often, sometimes in a game like this, where you get completely blitzed, you can often still end up, um, you know, pretty even in the tackle numbers, because you're just, you're chasing tail all day, so you end up getting a few tackles in, but we we're negative 17 in the tackles as well, so, negative 57 in a contestable 17 in tackles, we were just... The fundamental part of Port Adelaide footy and what is, has been in history, and, and any decent footy side is you've got to be tough and hard at the footy. And when you're in both of those stats, just well beaten, it's just like, where, what did you expect to happen? It's just, I just don't understand. And that just means whether it's fitness, whether it's... And it's, you know, fitness game plan, what it is, why are we so off the ball? Why can't we get our hands on it? Why can't we can't we get in, in the inside game and battle for the ball, what are we doing, are we just, you know, running around in circles like Jackie Moon in fucking semi-pro, and he's like, I'm just going to go rover coach, I'm just going to go rover, it's like, no Jackie, no, <laughs> it's just, no Port, just, just, you know, play football, don't, don't just, you know, there's, there's tactics, there's, there's things you can do, and I just don't know where our game plan is at right now, so, yeah, that was just a rough, just a rough one, I just, there's nothing, there's no redeeming qualities to take out of that game, apart from maybe the fact that, you know, Charlie Dixon somehow manages to snag three goals still, you know, I just, there's no redeeming factor out of the game, Power Pepper again, one of the future shining lights, but um, I guess when when I get to the showdown in a second, I'll again be the theme. but um, yeah, jeez, what a, that was coming down to earth after that first week, Um, you know, what a way to, Crash back down earth, and the and the worst thing is, you know, we come out of week one against a pretty decent side in Brisbane with a decent percentage, and and then that just drops right off when you get smoked off the park at the MCG um, by Collingwood. Alrighty, so the showdown. <laughs> uh well, disappointing is a is a is a very um, understated way of putting it. It was um, really it, the way it ends is is the embarrassing part of it. You know, it, it was a classic. I guess you could say it was a classic showdown through three and a half quarters. Uh, you know, we, we put ourselves in positions to win it a couple of times. Um, I look at that period of play um, towards the end of the second quarter when we did have an almost three-goal lead. Uh, and and classic showdown stuff that we, we often, it seems to have been, and again, I look at patterns and themes over the past few years, uh, Port Adelaide have struggled to put the crows away when we've had them in a position to do it. It was the the same round three showdown last year. We did the same damn thing. We got ourselves into position to be ahead multiple times. Um or were ahead and, and in position to really put the game away multiple times and we and we couldn't do it. And they and we they made they punished us for it last year. Um and it kinda of went the same way this year. It's just they punished us sooner and then and then got themselves ahead. Um so That's really what is frustrating about this is that we seem to fall apart at the occasion when the game is in our hands and we kind of snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And, uh, you know, that's now two showdowns to start the season. And those are the ones that, you know, not that any showdown counts any less, but at the start of the season, you're really trying to define what your season's going to be. You know, on the Crows last year, while they didn't make finals and they're still pretty average for the year. They kind of defined a little bit of growth in that point, and they've done that in this game as well. as well, Whereas we, in the complete opposite, are left scratching our heads and asking more questions, like who, what are we doing with the players that we're putting out there? Um, what is the game plan? Uh, what is the instruction to the individual players out there? Because, you know, I look at guys like, um, you know, I'm still a massive fan of Lockie Jones, but, you know, he's been dropped this week uh, going into Sydney and, uh, and I'm trying to work out what his role is and what he's been instructed to do out there. I know he's... Because of these, under the body he is um, and, he's, and his pretty decent skill set, he's been asked to do... He's been popped into a few different roles, but what's... What are we... Where is the development now? What are we actually instructing to do? As long, uh, What is the long-term development plan there? And where are we looking to put him? Because this is now year three. I know there's been some injury issues and whatnot um, over those years, but, uh, you know, I just look... at you know, the, I just don't see any cohesive plan with some of these guys out there. And then, you know, and you see them playing, again, kind of like Collingwood, there was just a little bit of fear and it just seemed like, I don't know what goes on the training track and what goes into their pre-game instruction. And again, you know, I said, oh, Brisbane was a good start and uh, and we looked good and whatever they said at the start of the game worked, but then, you know, these last couple of weeks it hasn't. And I look at what we did, Again, mistakes, little mistakes, missed handballs, missed kicks, um, you know, the 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 goal line, It was in particular the goal line scrambles that, you know, Thorpe was able to get two of his five goals out a little, you know, snap, so either a snap over the head in the goal square or a, or a little kick off the boot from about two feet out when uh, Lockie Jones is crashing through and looks like he's got possession of the ball and somehow loses it. Um, it's all those kind of things, like the set play stuff, like... A core of our team a couple of years ago was our defense, and now we just don't. We've given up, th- uh, what's the number? It 39 goals in the last two weeks. That is that is bottom four team stuff. If you've given up two, four, 39 goals in two weeks of play, um, and one of those teams you're playing is a team that is, many have picked to be one of those bottom four teams, and you, you might be a bottom four team. And that's. Um, and that's just the way we've played the last couple of weeks, and we've got to accept that and um, hope that it's not going to actually be where we end up, but at the moment, that's where we, we're we close to that. I think, um, where did we sit going into this week? I mean, we might be 13th or something like that, so we're not not too far off of it. And uh, and it was bottom four team uh, play, uh, by and large. It was missed tackles. It was, again, um, playing a little bit on the back foot, like on, the, on your heels, rather than really getting on your toes and running moving forward, and um, it's a little bit of, <laughs> starting to get crickety, but um, it was, it was playing defensive rather than kind of coming out of your crease and, and having a little bit of a crack, and, you know, again, going back to, sorry, I started talking about that that late second quarter area, but, you know, we got three goals up, I think it was 16, 17 points up, um, and had, you know, had the Crows kind of right on them, you want to, you know, you, if you've got them in that position, going, you know, going into the latter stages of the second quarter, you kind of want to hold that position, or at least, but, you know, we're, sometimes when we're, yeah, my opinion is, when we start going into that kind of regressive defensive style, once we've got a little bit of a lead, is sometimes when we give it up, because then we we start chipping around more, and we start tr- seeming like we're too regimented to a structure and a system that has come from the training track, rather than actually playing the game on its merits. Whereas the Crows took it on, they, they, some of their corridor footy, um, it was, you know, really good to, really great to see, like I have to say because I want to see, you want to see Port doing that and we keep talking about midfield stocks and it almost feels like they're overloaded at the moment but then they're all you see a team like the Crows with the, you know guys like Riccelli coming through there and Pedler had a good game and and just the the other guys that were kind of just in these midfield chains Um, and sometimes after turnovers off of us and that's often been an, an issue, that's another issue as well is just our our inability to score from the defensive, the defensive chains, whereas, you know, the Crows score like over half of their goals from just, um, you know, defensive, defensive starts, you know, getting the, intercepting the ball off of us and then getting, getting a defensive start and and quickly transitioning down the, um, often some space down the wing and then, you know, some good um, interior play through the middle as well. And, Oh, my God. It's just frustrating to see when... You know, Collingwood... We all looked at Collingwood and... Okay, they're, they're playing... Probably played one of their best games that they've played in years. But, again, we looked at it and said, Okay, what's the response against the Crows? What's going to be the response there? If we can come out and win well, then we go we're 2-1. and one. We had a bad game against Collingwood, but we come out and, and make a statement um, in the showdown again. But, instead, we come out and... Uh, you know, like I said, three and a half quarters. Decent. Um, we should have put them away. Um, and... Even though I say decent, but then in those quarters I still looked at the I still looked at the team such as us playing down a little bit and the Crows were playing the best footy they possibly could put on the park. And some of that came with the passion they were playing with and the and the desire to be better than what their station is in the current AFL landscape. Whereas we seem to constantly listen to the the hype and the and the and the you know beat up around and especially after week one that got even bigger um we seem to kind of listen to you know <laughs> the saying i don't want to use it but you know drink your own bath water kind of stuff like you just there seems to be so much hype and build up around port but repeatedly it, it falls down whereas you know the, the crows have had some better results against big teams in the past few years than we have you know the, the couple of years ago when they came out and beat geelong in round one and and a few of those other games that they've really come out and, you know, they beat Melbourne, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to praise the Crows here. I'm, I am fucking hate the Crows, but this is kind of where both teams are at is that we keep, you know, failing to meet expectation. And the Crows' expectation is to be, you know, down the bottom and they're, 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 they're not getting much further above that, but they are getting some results and they're trying to, you know, generate start. Finally, after a few years of failed rebuild, there seems to be some, you know, signs of life, so to speak um, to the corpse there and, and, and you know, this game was one of those games that you, you saw your, you guys like your peddlers and your Murphys and your, um, Saligos and co, um, have decent impacts on the game. And obviously Rankin's had a great couple of weeks and, uh, and is announcing himself as, pro- you know, one of the most exciting recruits that the Crows have had since, uh, since bets, as far as a forward line, you know, Dawson came in last year and it was a massive revelation for him as well. But as far as the excitement machine kind of thing, and, um, you know, whereas we're getting recruits in like, um, you know, Junior Rioli, who had a great first game, and I have a lot of high hopes for him. But you know, when we were four points up after getting, you know, getting that pal pepper snap that put us four points up midway through that last quarter, um, we have a kick go inside 50, and Rioli's on the, on the lead, and he spills a mark right in front of him. It, it, he ha- he was he was uncontested. He was just leading for it. He was taking the mark right in front of his face, and he spills it. That goes down forward and that ends up in Murphy's hands and that that's the go-ahead goal at about the 11 minute 40 mark and then the, we didn't, obviously, we know what happened after that. So, it's all situational crucial moments that we keep, just like the Ge- uh, Geelong game, Collingwood game, we keep failing and, and it's skills and execution. It's the most basic fundamentals for football. It's just the skills and execution and yes, it's a fast moving, moving game. Things happen. Marks are dropped here and there but we constantly, in crucial moments in the game, when... You know, it's either, you know, a full-point side, Riola takes that mark. he Whether he has the distance from there, I think that was probably about 45 metres out uh, on an angle. Um, you know, he has a crack at least, or it just holds up. And, but instead, it he drops it, spills it, and they the Crows, again, like they did a lot on the weekend, they quickly transitioned the ball out of defence and uh, taken a set shot at goal probably 30 seconds later and taken the lead and uh, headed from there. So that's where I'm at with Port at the moment. It's just a, it's a frustrating it's just a frustrating uh, series of patterns i keep saying patterns as i go through looking at previous years but it is it's just you know players just not executing in the crucial moments um and to me it still often comes back to the fact that i just feel like there's a there's an overcoaching whoop, my microphone almost went down there there's an overcoaching aspect of it to, to it that i wonder what's exactly happening on the training track and what's the instruction and and what's getting lost in translation because all the players keep saying that, you know, we're all, you know, back in the coach and I won't get into too much of that. Now that'll be the next episode, but you know, why aren't we executing well enough and, and where is it going wrong? Um, because this game again felt like one that we, we had and, and we should be winning and we put ourselves in position a couple of times to win it. And we were right there with it the whole game. But It just felt like the whole time, that we were playing down a bit um, and leaving a couple of goals on the table, and the Crows were playing up and grabbing a couple of extra goals, and then when the game was there to be won in the last quarter, who wanted it more? The Crows did, and that's um, that's a travesty, and that's not even getting into the fact that we were wearing the uh, the prison bar jumpers. Um, sorry, I, le- I just was stretching there for a second, I'm forgetting I'm talking into a microphone. I shouldn't lean back. Um, there was isn't you know the aspect of it that you know obviously. Um, fundamentally you know what you're wearing doesn't actually change this professional sports players are um not going to just you know the crows aren't just going to fear us um because we're in the prison bars and yes i know the history and the lore of it but you know the reality is that they probably were buoyed by it and wanted to beat us in it. and i said that when the, the the my prison bars episode a couple of episodes ago the crows will, you know, should want us to wear it because it'd be fun for us to for them to beat us in it and they and they've had their fun with it as well so you know, but there is an aspect of it that you just you just watch the way we we fall over and and again we lose the contested ball. I've got the nu- the numbers here. It's not quite as bad as Collingwood, but n- nothing could be because that was a record, I think. Um, but we're still minus twenty two contested um, against the Crows. It's just like you shouldn't be losing the you know losing the contested ball against one of the best teams in the competition in Collingwood um, in the early running. Uh, you know, even not to that discrepancy, but. Um, you know but losing it to adelaide um in a showdown uh, to minus twenty two is a is a is a decent is a significant um gap and just shows to me just how much they wanted the they wanted the game more they were more committed to the contest um and just and yeah it's just it's n- there's no other really ways of saying it they just wanted it more and it and it's a sad thing to say about a showdown game in which we were in the prison bars for the first time in front of our crowd and in front of a crowd like that since uh, the 2014 elimination final we, we know what happened that day and it seemed to give us a lift but um, and but it just didn't happen on this day and and that's unfortunate and um, and quite just um, tragically disappointing really I I um, will talk more about the the discourse around the overall feelings around Port Adelaide and the board and the coach and you know and tread around the next episode so I'm not going to get into it too much here I'm trying to dance that line while talking about the game without getting into into it too much but um yeah it's um it's a it's a detriment to to what we're doing at port that that's this is the kind of performance you can put out in in those in that kit that and that kind of speaks to some of that stuff we'll get into in that in the next episode there's the disconnect and all that stuff but um yeah, I'll take a quick break and kind of touch on a few just more individual player stuff. Um, but yeah, overall, it's just um, a couple of weeks that's really brought us back down to earth. Alrighty, so much has been made of, um, particularly as we look at the whole team effort, but obviously um, with that comes a lot of um, individual player criticism and, and it's warranted. Um, I think, you know, we start with the um, Jonas, um, and I like Jonas. Um, I've chatted to him, I've, you know, met him and... Um, you know he's he's a fun chat he's he's a lad and he's a fun chat but um there is his his form to start the year hasn't been great um i think back to when i look at the the showdown in the last couple of weeks and just how much he looks to be struggling back there and i think it's it's an entire defensive structure and and just the fact that we're letting the ball come in far too easy and far too often that isn't helping but um we saw that kind of assault i look back on um the 2020 uh qualifier final against Geelong one that was a slog and one that saw a lot of ball coming inbounds to it. Like we, we won that game playing a really great defensive effort in the face of an assault of repeated inside 50 entries from Geelong in that game. And I was sitting right behind the goals there, really right with the Port Gia squad in that game. is just where I got my ticket and um, had a great time. <laughs> I overindulged um, incredibly um, and was quite voiceful. Um and I remember on point yelling standing up and yelling, That's my fucking captain after Tom Jonas after another great mark, kind of, you know, going back to the flight of ball and just taking a mark and, and he took a couple of those great marks in the in the in the face of a of an assault from a from an opposition that was really trying to, you know, generate some scoring opportunities. Uh, and he was taking big marks and making big spoils and just and just playing 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 big and playing a captain's role. Um he's just not seeing uh, and it's not like I've never seen Jonas as the most mobile, agile defender anyway, so it's not like he's, whether he's lost half a step and because of, you know, the kind of player he is at his age, it's just it's, it's just more pronounced or if it's just a coaching thing, I'm not sure if it's, but he his form needs to come back. I know he's been selected for this week, so hopefully this can be the start because I know a lot of people were calling for one of the statements for Hinkley to make was to drop his captain, but um, I just don't think that's going to happen and probably not a realistic expectation. Um and with their defensive stocks, I don't know, I actually don't know who we bring, like, how are you are going to rejig the lines back there? So, and that's that's a whole other selection thing as well. I'll get into that when I talk about Sydney in a moment, but, you know, we do need to see Jonah start playing better. We need to see a lot of the defensive guys play better. Um, Obviously, um, Darcy Byrne-Jones has now been dropped for this week as well. He's just one that has been dancing that line of form for a while now and, and it's finally come back to bite him. Um, you know, I will say there's that video floating around. And, and Jesus Christ, it pisses me off with social media that uh, the... Just the Jason Horne... And it's going to keep, keep going because that's that's just modern social media and the terribleness of it. Um, that Jason Horne Francis... Jason Horn Francis does need to probably get his tank a little bit. He's 20 years old. You know, the tank and stamina of air for footy comes with time. And reps, and, and you know, that video going around, I swear, it, it's, the umpire calls, whistles, and he, you can start, kind of see him back off, and then he calls play on, and by then, it's just, no effort is going to be, you know, it's, anyway, it's going to be, you know, if you've seen the video, you know what I'm talking about, if you haven't, then just search Jason Hall Francis, I'm sure it'll come up on your Twitter feed pretty soon, it's just a video of him, it, but there's, there's a few players in that video that aren't chasing very hard either, but the focus is going to be on a twenty-year-old, um, or a nineteen-year-old, or a twenty-year-old, whatever he is now, because because uh, AFL douchebags and Twitter like to beat down on kids. So um, yeah, there's that one. The Travis Boak um, shirk, as people are calling it. Well, I, that guy's played three hundred and what twenty, thirty games for us now. He's a club legend um, for what he has stood for throughout his time at Port Adelaide. What he stands for on and off the, off the field um and his toughness in the contest over the years has been um you know unquestionable i look at that as and i think it's been said by many um you know that was it was going to be a bump and it was going to be a hurtful one of the ribs he's i think it's it is a natural human thing i i've i've played with ankle injuries a lot um and just the way you move your body sometimes when you know when you've got a bit of pain there um, just naturally, you just, you know, subconsciously. I don't think he was going into that and going, oh no, I'm backing out. Like, he just, his natural instinct, because there's a bit of pain there, was just a, just a back. And then afterwards, he's probably just went, oh my God, that's not going to like. I, I can almost guarantee on the field, he just already thought, oh, for fuck's sake, like that's going to be, that's going to be snapped by people and, and snippeted and, and, you know, taking the little video and people are going to say stuff. So, um, but there's no excuse for it. It's more just stating that I don't think Travis spoke, decided that he was going to have a half-assed effort to it. It was just um, just a matter of circumstance with the injury and all that. And, and as some people said on Twitter, like, well, why is he out there then? It's just like, well, you hope not to be in that position where, um, you know, because if, if we'd been up by five goals, five, six goals at that point of the game, and we're just comfortable, no one's, no one's really even... A few people would have noticed it, but it's been pronounced because of the, the way the result went as well. Um but yeah, no, there is, there is some would say, and I think, um, there's some validity to it that maybe he shouldn't be playing unless he's at a hundred percent, particularly with uh rib injuries. I remember even, you know, going to a, a little, uh, um, uh, NFL, am I talking about NFL? No, I'm, NBA, sorry. Um, yeah, my team's Portland Trailblazers, and Damian Lillard had an abdominal injury for a, a couple of years. Um, and He finally got surgery on it last year, and I think after he got surgery on it, it was just like, you know, realised how much pain he was playing with. Um, so it's like, you you can play through those things, but whether it's good to um, is a question, I guess, that uh, is just based on circumstance. You know, if it's, if it's September, then of course he's playing through it, but, you know, at this time of the year, maybe a, few, a couple of weeks off of rest would be uh, beneficial for Trav just to get, to make sure that's right, um, whatever's going on there. So, you know, because we don't want to see that again and we don't want to see him get hurt either if he, you know, the next game he's just like, well, I, I, you know, I really need to put my body through it and then he just is down for six to eight weeks again because he shouldn't have. So, you know, those kind of questions. It's just, yeah, there's a lot of questions around the team and obviously, um, and to me, it's not just the players themselves. Again, as I mentioned, I kind of touched on earlier, My thing is what the the coaching of the players and what they're being asked to do is the message clear um, and the situational things. Like if the game's going good for us, then everyone seems to, you know, really embrace their role. But when things are getting a little bit, you know, we're getting into the trench warfare of footy, uh, the players seem to not exactly know what they're meant to be doing and and almost seem to shy away from the the responsibility and and try to hope that someone else is going to take the responsibility on. But if everyone else is thinking that, then... That's just not the way it's going to be, and um, you see just so many players that when when things are going bad for them, it's just not working. And you know, Zach Butters is one that still doesn't seem to quite find his have his place, even though he should be running through the midfield a lot more, and that's where I think he needs to be. But he's kind of been because we're trying to rotate through so many through there, um, it just doesn't seem to be working. You know, Boak, like, you know, he he should never be playing that kind of half forward role anyway. But then, again, then Butters, Bo, you know, who? what's your midfield mix? Uh, like I said, Lockie Jones, again, I just don't know exactly where he's, where, where exactly his role is, um, especially when the game's going against you. Um, yeah, just a lot of questions. A lot of questions on form, um, in particular in these kind of games, because we need, that's the thing, I don't trust us when we get into a game like this uh, to have... You know the game. The game winners just don't don't seem to be there at the moment, and it's a real question that uh, I'm just struggling to answer right now. And I'm just uh, just in a place of deja vu. It's what we've gone on. It's you know again. I was saying you know, the theme of this is patterns. I guess we've just seen patterns of this for the last couple of years. Even that last that second year uh, in 2021 when we got back to normal footy, um, and we got back to a prelim before getting blown out in that prelim. Um, and you know, that prelim and that game against Collingwood are two very similar games, two very similar scorelines, and just getting completely overpowered by, um, a team that was backing themselves in, um, and yeah, not, not much has changed since then, and I guess that's, uh, that's a good segue into the next episode, um, that we'll get to, uh, yeah, talking about, um, talking about the, uh, overall situation at the moment with, uh, uh port and hinkley and goshi and Treadray and everything that's been going on the last week in in the wake of this uh, in the wake of this uh very uh, excruciatingly disappointing result um against the crow so yeah um'll take a quick break again and uh briefly touch on the game this weekend and what i expect out of it um but which isn't probably much but yeah he's hoping um but yeah quick break all right sydney at the um s c g this weekend, uh, again, it's a game against a team running in uh, pretty good form, <laughs> which uh, doesn't bode well for us. Uh, and Sydney going pretty well unchanged, I think, as well. Um, so they're kind of they're pretty they're, they're just in a, they're just in a good spot right now. Um, despite that, you know, they lost against Melbourne last week, um, but uh, you know, beyond that, they had a good start to the season, um, some good wins, and you know. More or less, you know, this, this is a team that played in the grand final last year, and yes, it didn't go as planned for them, but, uh, you know, obviously it goes without saying, but um, overall it's a team that uh, is pretty comfortable with where they're at at the moment and, um, and put, you know, on their home deck will be expected to win, to be honest. Um, and we're pretty uh, pretty reasonable underdogs in this one, and um, as such, you know, more or less, i I got to say, I don't expect to win this game. Um, particularly with how I've gone the last couple of weeks, but in saying that, what we've seen this week um, in response to the result against the Crows, and I, again I said I'll get into I'll get into the Ken Hingley and all that stuff more in the the other episode that you'll see in the feed. Um, but what we've seen in response to that stuff, just in context of this game, is that all the players and you know they're saying it's on us to turn it around. Um, Blah blah blah. So it is on the players, but like this is the thing. Hinkley, as a coach, will be hope. I hope he has a week where he has some self-reflection about what he needs to do to change this, because that's his job, uh, as well as the assistant coaches. But the players need to do that too, because they need to look at the um, the contested numbers and because that's on them on the field um, to to turn turn that kind of stuff around and and win and win the inside battle a little bit more and and make something happen in that sense. So. You know, for me, that's kind of the thing I'm looking for in this game: is what's our response, whether we win or lose. Uh, I kind of want to see the response out of the out of the side that we, uh, you know, that we do care. You know, the, this is the kind of the stuff that we get out of the, the last couple of weeks as you start wondering, and then the players keep saying, "No, we care, and we we want to turn this around," and but and it's on us, and so we want to see the response in both um, the skill and the game plan, but as well as the, just the, the, the grunt and the desire to win the ball, um, because that's just the thing that, that's been missing the last couple of weeks when it goes against us, is, and this isn't me saying I don't think all the players don't desire to, it's just the, it's just the actual execution of it, and how we, how we go about it, and that confidence, and, and how that's going to come about, I don't know, but, um, anyway, as far as the selection goes, it's, um, um, if you can hear that, it's me scratching my head, because, yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. Uh, to finally see Burn Jones get dropped. Um, which unfortunately I I loved Darcy and I loved him when he came in. He was you know he came in as with as kind of like, he kind of had that cult hero look and you know he built up his career and he had a great you know career best year in twenty twenty and you know was all um, Australian and, and won our best and fairest. But since then just hasn't hasn't carried on with that and unfortunately a drop has probably been coming and um and that's come for him. Uh, Lucky Jones. Uh. Again, just one that I just... Uh, again, I just don't know where... I don't know what he's being instructed to do out there and um, and his dropping is as much just... He's he's going to be one of those players that's in and out a bit if we're at more or less full fitness as we try to go for matchups ups and, and, you know, he's going to be based on form and stuff like that. So, but still, I, I, lo- I love his energy out there and his body out there. So, um, and particularly with the guys that have come in, um, it's, just, it's just one I'm not exactly sure... Uh, you know, Tom Cleary's out, um, you know, he's only had a week back in really, but you know, he's out again and McKenzie's in, um, Jonas holds his spot and, you know, I know a lot of people called for possibly that, you know, you know, dropping a captain doesn't happen very often, but, um, you know, his form probably dictates that maybe he's, he's, you know, he's, you know, dancing on the line of, uh, of luck at the moment. Um, and he's got to turn his form around, but, you know, Cleary's out, um, Fantasia's out as well with a quad strain, so death taxes and a, a ratio injury. Unfortunately, that's not knee knocking ratio. It's just unfortunate. We just can't keep him on the park, and um, I assume it's just a management thing because I I haven't heard that there's anything serious there. But it's it's again unfortunate. But yeah, the ins are Jed McEntee, who who showed signs last year of a decent player, and um, but again, uh, how much are we going to get out of a player that's in and out of the side like that? Um, Jackson Mead, young and has shown signs as well, and. And obviously Dylan Williams, who's had some great games in the Sandville over the years, but, you know, I don't know if he's shown, you know, had Sandful side's just been um, just a travesty the last year and a half anyway. So what he has shown to bring in, I don't know. I didn't see I didn't see the showdown game um, in the Sandville last weekend to know what, how he's looked. Um, but whether they're going to say it's matchups on a smaller ground, um, I don't know what they're they're trying to generate a bit more run um yeah i just it's a little bit perplexing to me i i the the backline mix is going to be really interesting and, and it's unfortunate i just think where the backline we've got to accept is going to be something that's going to be an issue all year because we've seen early on that it just can't stand up to the the pre- certainly um you know it was worrying against the crows that uh a team both with their smalls and their bigs, you know. Phil Thorpe had a day, and this is even without, um, you know, I know we held, you know, Taylor Walker didn't have any goals, but um, you know, it's a side that didn't have uh, Darcy Fogarty available who's had a who's turning into a pretty handy player for them. And you know, I just worry about how our back line's going to go this year with how you know anemic it is at the moment, uh, just and uh, how you know, obvious need for a bit more of key, key position defense. And, you know, obviously we went after Radagalia last year with the list management under, probably understanding that need and, unfortunately, we didn't address it. And, uh, you know, what what the development of the guys in the SNFL that haven't had a call-up yet, it'll be interesting to see if we start seeing some of those guys come up. But um, this weekend is going to be a big test for these guys to kind of put a line in the sand and and uh, kind of generate something there, um, some kind of belief down there. Because it was, like I said, it was a bedrock of our defense in... Uh, was kind of the where a bedrock of our side was a couple of years ago when we were, were, were making finals. Um, you know, Alire in his all Australian year it was um, just you know roving around and taking the intercept marks, and and it kind of the rest of it worked and fed out of that. But then you know obviously it all fell apart in the prelim, and and the, and it and it really is our midfield control, and and since then our midfield just hasn't hasn't generated the kind of control and and grunt and. And run that we need to, to to take the pressure off the defense and and we're seeing the the wholesale changes kind of come in this week to to try to try to stimulate something I guess um, but yeah missing Burton again this week with the second second week of suspension as well so you know Aaliyah, Jonas and McKenzie back there and then you kind of got a hodgepodge of uh, what's going to make that up and I wonder if we'll start seeing guys like you know who's going to rotate back there if you're going to see Finlayson and Co back there a little bit you know. What the what the mix is going to be is going to be interesting. I guess is all I'm saying because I I don't know how that mix up's going to go, particularly when you look at the kind of lineup that you know, you know the forward line that Sydney's got with you know they've got some guys that are really starting to pick that pick up their pace. You know you know Lance Franklin even at his age is still you know he's dangerous and Will Haywood's coming on really well and you know I like Logan McDonald. They're not you know and then you're gonna have Laddams, um down there as well. It's going to be interesting to see the the up of Laddams and um, Lysit and the Ruck is kind of a kind of a uh, a little battle of what we had a couple of years ago, and I know Laddams hasn't lit, lit the world on fire or anything like that, so it's not like it's a big deal. But you know we've been beaten pretty well the last couple of weeks in the Rock and Lysit needs to needs to get a win, so it'll be it'll be a big test for Lysit because it'll be something that poor fans will watch this week. Because if we see Laddams touch up Lysit a bit, then it'll, it'll uh it'll really start making us ask some questions about what we're we're doing with the list management with Ruck as well, so, yeah, it's, um, not that Laddams is the perfect Ruckman, and I don't think he ever will be, but, you know, if, uh, you know, life that's really, really taken a step back recently, and we, we need to start seeing if it's just a blip, an early season blip, or if we, uh, really going to start having some problems there, so, there's a lot of questions this week that can be answered, and, um, you know, and, overall performance uh, whether it be you know individual performance or just the overall performance of the side in a game such as this um, against a team that looks like they could be a top four contender this year uh, we want to see some kind of response Um, I'm not saying I expect to win as my level of response although that's what I hope for because you know we want to if we can win this week and then go into the gather round match against the Western Bulldogs who are in um, questionable form as well we're going to find ourselves at three and two I know you know, i will get into the Hinkley stuff in the next episode again. I keep saying that, but um, some people this week will probably be saying, "Let's just." I know that I've seen it on Twitter. There's people that just say, "We might as well just just let Sydney touch us up and just really make the Hinkley thing untenable," um, as is the word of the week. Um, you know, I'm a Port fan. I never, I never go into any game wanting to lose. Um, you know, I, I understand people's perspectives on Hinkley, and I, I certainly do. But it's, you know, there's a spectrum of ways you can go about it. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see... Obviously, I want to see us win every week and I hope we can win this week, but do I expect it? No. Um, but I just expect a response in performance and, and hopefully if that response in performance comes, then, then we give ourselves a chance to win and then if we... You know, if it's a heartbreaking loss against in, in a good game against a good team, then at least you can take something out of it. Um, you know, but... Yeah, I, I'm going to be... I'm going to... The game's on 2.30 a.m. my time. I'm going to try and be up for it because I don't think there's anything that can... Preclude me from being up for it. the last couple I've even I watched half the showdown live and then watch the other half um on replay um but you know with everything that's been going on but it just uh yeah I'm hoping that my 2:30 30 a.m wake-up call won't be too excruciating as I guess is I guess is my point here so um yeah that's about it for this one I know it's been a bit of a rambler and I've I've kind of just kind of it's kind of been more of a theoretical discussion of just where I th- feel like we've been at the last couple of weeks and kind of my general unfortunate malaise that has settled in over me as as to my trust in the game plan and all that stuff over the past year or two, but yeah, it's, um there's a lot of questions to be answered this weekend and, uh, and you know, there'll either be more questions raised, which again we'll address, but um, hopefully there'll be a few, uh, we can see a few answers and start seeing just a little bit of some signs of life again. Um, after a pretty disappointing couple of weeks. Right, uh, keep an ear out for um the next episode that'll be recording now, um and you'll see it in the feed as well. Where I'll try to get into a bit more of the uh just the discourse around Hinckley and you know, Kosh and Treadray and, and just the drama that's enveloped uh, South Australian football on our side of the our side of the um the divide uh this week. So yeah. Anyway, as always, even if it's uh not much fun to say at the moment, uh can the pair.